He's no stranger to our church, uh, Brother Tom Lancaster. We're so thankful for him, and uh, he's been here before, preached here before, and so thankful for his ministry, a very special ministry. Uh, it's to military missions. And I'm thankful for people that have a background in our military, such as him and his wife, Miss Dottie, that they're willing to uh, go and minister to those very special people uh, who have fought to, have, to give us the liberties that we have here today and uh, goes around the country, around the world. You see his, uh, his prayer card there, evangelism, discipleship, missions, conferences, church planning. He does a lot of wonderful things on behalf of our military, and we're thankful that he's here today, thankful that he served our country as a sergeant, uh, thankful that he's going to preach to us the very quick and living word of God today. Amen. So let's welcome Brother Tom Lancaster to the pulpit here at Central. Preacher, stay here for a minute. Let me get a picture. Where is Mrs. Thornton? Miss Thornton, take a picture of us, please. <laughs> Amen. She, She's a military wife. She knows how to take orders. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, preacher. Thank you so much. My, it's good to be back. It really is. And this has been such a wonderful, wonderful service. The music has been beautiful and a good, good crowd here today. And thank the Lord for these veterans. And um, uh, I think the, I wish I could remember exactly how it's said, but uh, the lawyer didn't do it. It was the military man that did, gave us our freedoms. And uh, the teacher Thank God for them, but they didn't. They, they weren't the ones that gave us our freedoms. It was the military person. And uh, on and on and on, I think about Colin Powell, General Colin Powell. He was chastised by somebody of another nationality uh, about defending America and was accused of being imperialistic that uh, we were just fighting wars to gain territory. And Colin Powell told him, said, the only territory we need when we fight a war is enough uh, to bury our dead. And um, I thank God for the military. I always wanted to be in the military when I would go to the a post office with my grandmother in downtown Memphis. And there would be all of the uh, posters of the different uh, uh, people in the military, the Navy, the Army, the Marines, the Air, uh, Army Air Corps, the Coast Guard. I, I said, that's what I want to do. I want to be in the military. And I was able to do that for several years. And then my commanding officer uh, called me to do something else. And Dottie and I now have been serving our military as missionaries to them uh, for these uh, 30 years now. We spent 20 years in Germany, and we've been back from Germany because our base closed. But thank you for those of you that have served. And I thank the Lord for a church like this that loves a people but loves the military. And if I keep on just palavering, my time is going to get away from me. And you'll fuss at me for that. Or maybe my wife, she might be. Do you live stream? 
Dottie, I'm trying to hurry, honey. I'm trying to take care of it. Pray for me, please. Turn, if you will, in your Bibles to Psalm 85. Psalm 85. It is a uh, pre-exile, a post-exile, I should say, pre-exile psalm, and it is speaking to the people of Israel who have gotten away from God and then had a revival, and and, uh, God is warning them here. If you can and will, would you stand to your feet in honor of the reading of God's Word? And I'll begin with verse 1. Lord, thou hast been favorable unto thy land. Thou hast brought back the captivity of Jacob. Thou hast forgiven the iniquity of thy people. Thou hast covered all their sin. Selah. Think on that. Think on it. Thou hast taken away all thy wrath. Thou hast turned thyself from the fierceness of thine anger. Turn us, O God, of our salvation, and cause thine anger toward us to cease. Wilt thou be angry with us forever? Wilt thou draw out thine anger to all generations? Wilt thou not Revive us again, that thy people may rejoice in thee. Thank you, and you may be seated, and let me have a word of prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord. The pastor has already alluded to the fact that we are here today in the providential care of Almighty God. The freedoms that we enjoy and the freedoms that have been afforded to us have been given by you, but Lord, they have been worn at the hands and life of military people, and Lord, we thank you. We thank you, dear God, for our military. We thank you, O Lord, for churches like this. And pastors like the pastor of this church and his wife and daughter and the wonderful people here. Lord, I've got such sweet memories of the last time that I was here. Oh God, I am thankful today for our Savior, for our God, for our Redeemer, for our Reviver. Please help us, O God. Please be with us in Jesus' name. Amen. I have the privilege, and you have the privilege, of living in the greatest country that there ever has existed. Uh, I come from a long line of people that have fought uh, to uh, continue the freedoms that we have. My father came ashore on Omaha Beach six days after D-Day and fought his way across Europe. My grandfather was on, uh, on uh, Guadalcanal 
and fought throughout the Battle of Guadalcanal and then moved on to other islands of the Solomons. My stepfather was a B-17 navigator that was the lead navigator uh, flying one of the most famous planes, B-17s, of World War II. My father-in-law fought at the Battle of the Bridge of Remagen, capturing the first bridge over the Rhine River. I'm thankful for the heritage that I have, but I'm thankful for the heritage that all of us have as Americans. The pastor has rightly said that, you know, when you uh, see or meet one of these veterans, shake hands with them. Tell them thank you. Oh, we're, we're not all perfect, not any of us perfect for that matter. But I thank God for the men and women that have stepped forward and said, I will serve. Um, Israel needed a revival. And, you know, somebody has said that America's living in dark times. Uh, there are those that said that have said that America has never been as divided as she is right now. Well, the truth of the matter is we were divided right from the very beginning. Uh, in, during the time of the revolution, that we, we had obstacles here before 1776. And uh, that was the uh, Tories or the Loyalists. And uh, there was a great, great controversy and decision about whether we should bow to the king of England or whether we should have the freedoms that we felt that God had afforded us. And then there were other days to come where we were divided again and again. And there were times when America had gone deeply, deeply away from the Lord and revival came. My wife and I lived in Germany for 20 years, and in our travels around Germany, there were some wonderful things that we saw. Uh, I saw the places that my stepfather had bombed, and uh, I saw the pock marks on the buildings. Many of them are still there uh, from the battles that were fought uh, during, uh, on the length and breadth of Germany and throughout France and other countries of Europe. And uh, I think about the little uh, town, just a small village about 60 miles east, if I'm not mistaken, of Berlin. It's called Herrenhut, Germany. And uh, there was a small chapel there. It was a Moravian chapel back in the early Uh, 18th uh, century and of course there were terrible things that were brewing Uh, a bloody revolution was coming to France and to other parts of Europe Uh, but in Herrenhut, Germany uh, there was a small church less than a hundred people and its aristocratic young pastor was a man named Zinzendorf and Count Zinzendorf loved his people, and it is said that at one point he was somewhat exasperated with them because he sensed that there was divisions and, and uh, 
bitterness in his small congregation. And uh, he got up one day and said, I want you to uh, quit your fussing. I want you to quit your arguing and put the Lord first in your life. He led the people to make a vow to keep the doors of the small chapel open for a hundred years. And that was the case at any time, day or night, you could walk into that uh, chapel. But Zinzendorf prayed and revival came uh, to those people. And from that movement, from the, the uh, uh, movement that Zinzendorf was a part of, uh, revival came across Germany and also to England. And uh, two men were reached there. Uh, John and Charles Wesley, and John and Charles Wesley were forced out of the Anglican church, and they could not go back into the churches to preach, and so they went to the fields, and John Wesley preached in the fields. Sometimes he began his preaching ministry as early as 5.30 or 6 o'clock in the morning where he went to the coal mines and caught the people coming to work and briefly uh, preached to them. And revival came across England, and then that revival through George Whitfield and his breaking with John and Charles Wesley over doctrinal matters. Whitfield came to America, and revival came to America even before 1776, and where it seemed as though the revolution was going to be lost, almighty God intervened. And you can see the hand of God if you would read that book, 1776, how God worked in our behalf. I, I think about Germany, and uh, America uh, was not the most uh, equipped uh, uh, army when we went to war in World War II, and especially when we went to across the English Channel from England uh, to uh, Europe. Uh, I have stood there on the shores there at uh, Normandy Beach and Omaha Beach and the other four beaches by our uh, allies. I've stood there at those beaches and just uh, thought about in my mind uh, what they faced. Uh, and they did get ashore. Oh, but what a price they paid uh, to get ashore there at Omaha Beach. And Utah Beach and, and the other uh, beaches and the numbers and numbers and numbers of our uh, allies and our Americans that died there. Uh, they said that when they were in the landing boats uh, that one could look at another and say, one of us will die today. One of us will die. And that pretty much uh, was a reality. Uh, one of them uh, would die that day, but they did it anyway. They did it because they loved our country. They did it because they loved their fellow soldier. They did it because they loved their family. They did it because of the freedoms uh, that they had. I've been there to the city of Caen, uh, Caen, France, and uh, I have been to uh, Pegasus uh, Bridge, the bridge uh, that leads over the Oran River, 
and it was said by Eisenhower uh, as he made plans, we must capture this bridge and we must hold this bridge. Of course, the British, that was their responsibility to fly in uh, with their gliders, six of them, and six of them flew in uh, to land near the bridge. Only four of them uh, found the bridge. One of them uh, went into the water, and another uh, was too far off to get into the battle. But immediately they realized that there was a whole army, not a division, but there was a whole army of uh, German panzer tanks right down the road. And uh, uh, our allies and the British allies could be, uh, they could hear the engines running of those uh, 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 panzer tanks. And uh, they knew uh, that the uh, uh, enemy was much stronger than uh, our armies were. And that had to be held in order to hold it uh, long enough for our men to get out spring out from the beaches that they were coming in on. Oh, but there was something that was happening that they didn't know about. Uh, Hitler was asleep, and Hitler would not be awakened, and all of the field marshals and generals would not go against the fact that Hitler was asleep. And God gave us just enough time to hold the beaches and to hold the bridge and to make away in from the from the beaches and of course uh, that day thousands upon thousands upon thousands of Americans yes they died but yes we came in and the victory was on the way but then again there was need for revival again we need revival today can somebody say amen America desperately needs revival. No, I do not believe that we're living in the darkest days and the most divided days that America's ever had. I believe the Civil War was probably the darkest days that we've ever had. Uh, 100, I mean a million 600,000 Americans have died in the wars that America has fought. There have been dark days, but I thank God that we have a compassionate, loving, caring God. And just like God ordained Israel, I believe that God has ordained America. America has been a bastion of truth. No country has ever sent the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ to the countries of the world like the United States of America has. America's got a lot of problems. But America's a good country, and America's a generous country, and America can be great again, and we can be the bastion of freedom and the provider of the gospel all over the world. We need revival, and the Bible tells us how to get national revival, how to get national revival. 2 Chronicles 7.14, if my people, which are called by my name, it's the responsibility, oh, the problem is not the liquor drinker, 
The problem is not the porn peddler. Uh, the problem is not the uh, dope dealer. The problem is not the liberal politician. The problem is God's people when they're not right with the Lord and where they do not put God first in their life. If my people, God's Word says, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves. Oh, may I, I and I, I'm not trying to be silly, but I, I'm, not, I'm not for a black pride week. I'm not for a brown pride week. I'm not for a white pride week. I'm white, and I didn't have anything to do with it. Almighty God made me white. There's only one thing that I've got to be proud of. God forbid that I should glory, save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, I am thankful. I'm proud that I've got a Savior. I'm proud that when I was an old drunken uh, reprobate, that Almighty God had sent His Son, Jesus Christ, to die for my sin, that I would not have to go to hell, but I would know Him personally, and to know Him is life, to know Him is joy, to know Him is peace. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray, we need to pray. We're free today because somebody pray, prayed. We're free today because families prayed, uh, churches prayed, a nation prayed. And oh, America must get back to prayer. And if America is going to get back to prayer, churches have got to pray. And families have got to pray. We must pray. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face. Now, what does that mean to seek God's face? I could remember as a boy, my mother, uh, my, my mother gave birth to me when I was 15 years old. Both of us grew to what extent she grew and to what extent I am. We sort of grew together. But one of the fond memories that I have as a boy is my mother taking my face and holding it and making sure that I was looking at her. And she would say, pay attention, Tommy. Pay attention. If God's people will seek the Lord's face, are you paying attention? Do you pay attention to this blessed, wonderful book? Oh, this is the book that will give us the instruction from freedom for freedom. It'll give us instruction for freedom as a nation and freedom as a community, but it'll give us instructions as how to be free from our sin, how to be free from its punishment. If my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves and seek my face and, and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. <laughs> it was said that Dr. Curtis Hudson was preaching at an auditorium, huge auditorium in Dallas, Texas. And uh, he was, when he got through preaching, he got down on the floor, uh, down from the platform, and people were coming by the scores. And there was a woman that came straight to him and said, Dr. Hudson, 
And when she spoke, Dr. Hudson said later that he could smell alcohol on her breath. And uh, uh, she said, Dr. Hudson, I'm just not sure uh, what all I need to get right with God. Well, there were a few things that were quite obvious. And then she said, will you pray for me? And Dr. Hudson said, yes, I will. And he bowed his head and he began praying out loud uh, so she could hear. And he said, dear Lord, here's a lady and she's drinking liquor and she's probably drunk. And uh, about that time, there was a tap on his shoulder and he opened his eyes and she was looking at him and she said, don't tell him I'm drunk. Did you know something? God knows all about you. He knows all about me. If we have got a sin that we commit, he knows it. If we've got a deed that is left undone that God has commanded us to do, he knows it. If we've got an attitude, God knows all about it. If we've got some ill temperament, he knows all about it. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven, God says and will heal their land. I'll hear from heaven, forgive their sin, and heal their land. I want you to turn over to Psalm 51 for just a moment. And I'll not be just a minute here. Psalm 51. Now let me tell you this. I don't know whether you and I will ever see another national revival. We've had three of them nationwide. One has been just prior to the revolution. Another one was in the 1750s, 59 to be specific as to when they say that the Second Great Awakening happened. And then there was the Great Prayer Revival that started out of New York City and quickly spread all over America. I don't know whether we'll ever have another national. We had a great revival in Wilmore, Kentucky back in 1959. Ironically, it was at a Methodist Bible college called Asbury College. And um, the uh, president of the college was gone. Uh, he was away on a speaking mission and the vice president of the college was running the chapel service. And he got up and he said, I, I've got a message. And, uh, but he said, first of all, are there any prayer requests? Are there anything that you need to say? And then finally one student got up and he, he said, sir, I've been a hypocrite. Uh, I've been wrong. I've sinned. And I need to get some things right with God. And several others began to pop up. And uh, 
he, he didn't preach. It went on for hours. It went through the night. Uh, they, they did not leave. The next day, word got through the town, the small town of Wilmore, Kentucky, and uh, people began to come. They had to pull the windows of the, of the chapel uh, up and so people could stand outside and hear. And, uh, and then news reporters came. And uh, the, uh, uh, the president called and he asked how chapel went. And uh, the vice president said, we're still having chapel. He said, well, this is not the day for chapel. He said, no, you don't understand. We've been here ever since Monday, it, it, uh, we've been here the whole time, and uh, there are newspaper reporters and so on and so forth, and that went on and spread all over the country. Uh, some of the students finally said, can we go home to our town and tell our family and tell our church what's happened here? And, and, and two of those young people, two of those young people went to South Pittsburgh, Tennessee, and I preach there often. As a matter of fact, I'll be preaching there week after next. And, uh, and two of those students went there and went to their church and told the church what had happened. And, and uh, uh, went to the school that they graduated from, the high school. I passed that school again and again and again and again. And they went there to that school and said, uh, uh, can, can we come, can the two of us come and tell the student body uh, what's happened to us? And how we got right with God. And uh, the principal of the school, 500 or more in that school, said, yes, yes, you, you can. And so they came to the gymnasium. And they told the gymnasium what was happening. Over 200 students came forward to get saved. Not to mention those that came forward as Christians to get right with the Lord. Well, I was preaching in that church that I'll be preaching at week after next. And I told that story. And there was a woman in the congregation, and she was just weeping. And she came to me after the service, and she said, Brother Lancaster, I know that story is true. I was in the gymnasium that day that that happened. And, oh, you could sense the power of God in that gymnasium. Now, I don't have time to deal with Psalm 51. But let me tell you this, you and I may not see another national revival. I hope we do. I pray that we do. That's the cure for America. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek God's face, confess their sin, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. I don't know about a church revival. Revival. The power of God. Cleansing. Bringing joy. People being saved. But I do know this. Christian, I know you can have revival. I can have revival. I um, was at a church in Arkansas. 
It was a wonderful church. It is a wonderful church. A, um, I'd been there before. The pastor and the people had worked hard. A uh, couple came to the altar on this side of the pulpit. The pastor and I had already made agreement that he'd go to everybody on this side at the altar and talk to them, and I'd go on this side. I asked the couple, as is my practice, I asked the couple as I knelt in front of them, I said, are you saved, sir? Yes, I'm saved, preacher. And he answered me with tears. I asked her, I said, are you saved? She said, yes, I'm saved. I said, you getting some things right with God? They said, yes, that's what, that's it. We're getting some things right with God. I prayed with them. They caught me in the middle aisle after the service was over and said, Brother Lankett, keep on praying for us. We need to get right with God. And he said, Brother Lancaster, I've got a brother and sister-in-law and niece and nephew uh, in the town here, and none of them are saved. None of them are. Pray for them, Brother Lancaster. Right there in the middle aisle, I put my hand on each of them's shoulder, and I prayed for them. And uh, they said, you're invited to our house to eat tomorrow. And I went there with the pastor and his wife and his two their two children. And uh, beautiful home, beautiful table, beautiful meal. And uh, he said, let's pray. The man did. And after he got through praying, he said, preacher, my wife and I have got something to do. We're going to leave. Y'all just go ahead and eat. And if you get finished before we come back, uh, just go ahead and we'll see you tonight. I'd never had that happen to me before. And I'm nosy. And so I found out what had happened. They were upstairs on their knees beside their bed praying. And that night, they came forward again. I prayed with them. In tears, they said, Brother Lancaster, we're trying to get thoroughly right with God. As a matter of fact, that's what said happened to David in Psalm 51. He got thoroughly right with God. The preacher said, I want you to make some visits with me. We visited one house. He didn't tell me anything about it. He just said, these people have come to church a time or two, don't believe they're saved, and uh, they have, uh, they have uh, family in our church. That's all he said. I met the man and his wife, and I began to talking to him about the Lord, and you could tell he was getting upset about it. But he said, we'll be there tonight. But they didn't come. They didn't, he didn't keep his word. But that couple was back, back at the altar every night, every service. Um, the next day, the preacher and I went visiting again. We visited a shabby apartment. The screen was hanging off. There was litter. And uh, the, uh, the preacher said, uh, Brother Lancaster, I want you to talk to her. So I began to talk to this girl, probably 17 years old, 18 maybe. She had a baby in her arms. There was no 
husband. And uh, she came that close to getting saved. But two other of her girlfriends came in and messed the whole thing up. She said, I'll be there tonight. And she was. She was sitting three rows from the front, sitting on the edge. She didn't take her baby to the nursery. She held on to the baby. I preached, and I said, let's bow our heads. And how many of you tonight need to get saved? She raised her hand. But after I prayed and gave the invitation, she did not come forward. And um, I told the preacher, I said, preacher, you know that girl that we talked to? She was there tonight. He said, yes, I spoke to her. I said, she gave the invocation that she needed to be saved, but she didn't come forward. He said, preacher, let me tell you about that girl. He said, you know that guy that we visited, George, that said he was coming to church that wasn't, didn't come? That's her daddy. And when they found out that the girl was pregnant, he kicked her out of the house and hadn't seen her since then. And he refuses to let his wife see her grandbaby. I got mad, angry. I wanted to punch him. I didn't punch him, but I did poke him. I, I, went, I told the preacher, I said, preacher, let's go back and visit that guy again. I went to the house, and uh, she came to the door, and she said, he saw you drive up. He's not going to come out. I said, let me in. And she let me in, and she walked back to the bedroom and came back out, and she said, he's not coming out. I said, George, you can call the police, but I'm not leaving until I talk to you. He came out. I told him he was a dishonest man, which he was. I was angry. I was angry for what he had done to his daughter. I said, was his daughter wrong? Yes, she was wrong. Have you ever been wrong? Yes, you've been wrong. Have I ever been wrong? Yes, I've been wrong. But there was never a time in that girl's life where she did not need a daddy and a mama. And she didn't have a daddy and a mama. But that time, I poked him in the chest, and I said, you're a dishonest man is what you are. You told me you were coming to church, and you had no intentions of coming to church. You're a dishonest man. He threw up his arms, and he said, Reverend, my wife and I are good people. Our children have just fallen in with the wrong, wrong crowd. He didn't bother to tell me everything I already knew, and I didn't bother to tell him I knew it. But he said, we'll be there tonight. Let me set the stage, and I'll quit. Three rows back is that same girl again. She's holding the baby. She doesn't realize it, but on the back row after the service has started, her daddy and her mama and her brother have come in. They're sitting on the very back row. If I could ever paint a picture of the devil, I'd paint that boy. He looked like the devil. 
His attitude looked like the devil. They sat back there, and old George, he had his arms just folded as if to say, I'm here, but bless me if you can. But there was a brother and a sister-in-law that had been praying, God help us. God help us to get thoroughly right with you. I preached to the best that I could, which is not very good. And then I gave the invitation. Would you venture a guess as to which one came first? That old teenage boy, he left the seat that he was sort of slumped in. You know how they do. And he was squalling. You could hear him as he got about halfway. I need to be saved. I need to be saved. He came to the altar, and the preacher got him and began leading him to the Lord. About that time, his mama came, and she knelt right beside her son. Preacher, I need to get saved too. In a minute, the girl stepped out and handed the baby to the lady in front of her. She came and pushed her brother aside and her mother aside. And I could hear her say, Preacher, I need to get saved too. And when he had led all three of them to the Lord, and we were still singing, the girl went back to her father. I didn't hear it. I saw it. He held on. Uh-uh. She left him. She came and got the baby and took that baby back to her father and stood in front of him for just a moment. And then she handed that baby to her father. You could see that old boy shaking. And he began to weep and to shake like a bowl of jelly. And he came and joined the rest of the family and got saved. David said in Psalm 51, I will get my life thoroughly right with God. Then will I teach transgressors thy ways, and sinners will be converted. Yes, America needs revival. Revival happens one person at a time. It doesn't happen whole football stadium. No, it happens one person at a time. Do you need revival today? Let's bow our heads in prayer. Father, help us. I'll ask our musicians to come to the piano, but not to the